Praise the Lord and good evening to everybody at online Bible study. We're glad to be here with you online and with those who have come out tonight. Uh, again, I want to remind you, you know, as people are coming at times, if you want to come out live, we are here in the house of God. Come on out and join us uh, live for Bible study. Um, sometimes it's a lot easier to focus when you're in person, um, and it's also good just to have an opportunity to see you in the house of God. So we're going to go ahead and see if we can pray, and then we'll get into the word for tonight. So let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you one more time for the opportunity to come out into your house and into your word and just spend some time learning of what the word has to say concerning you in Christ Jesus. We thank you tonight and ask that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. We are now continuing our study in the book of Philippians, where we have been. Uh, and last week, we wrapped up uh, Philippians chapter 3, and we looked at and spent toward the end uh, looking at verses 17 through 21, where Paul basically was saying um, that he was asking the people in the church to mark uh, people and how they were walking to have examples. He was saying, basically, um, he said there, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So Paul was saying to them, you need to have examples in the church that you currently are in, as he said to the Philippians, but he was making it clear that he was a major pattern for us to follow. The Bible says then that um, Paul would continuously say in many places, follow me as I follow Christ. And so what we were to do is to look at Paul's life, and it really becomes, along with the Lord Jesus, it becomes the pattern on earth for us as humanly possible to recognize. Because Jesus, although we are to be conformed to his image, and that's what we're attempting to do, Paul uh, it gives us the greatest example of a human being following after Christ who has had tremendous uh, problems prior to that in terms of the persecution he was doing to the church. So he had all kind of reasons to be uh, feel guilty about his life and to feel that, you know, he had done all kind of stuff wrong. And he was involved in Stephen stoning. There was just so much that the Lord let happen in his life before he called him so that Paul would never be able to say, or we couldn't even say about Paul, well, Paul hadn't gone through what I've gone through, and Paul doesn't understand what it means to be, have a bad reputation before you come to Christ. No, Paul's reputation was so bad that when the Lord appeared to Ananias and said, go and pray for him, he's, he's Lord, you might have made a mistake, uh, because what I hear about this man, you don't want to be dealing with him. And the Lord said, no, I've chosen him, Go ahead and deal with him. So it helps us to see that God can use anybody and that God is interested in everybody and that we have something to pattern ourselves after in terms of believing that God can use us. Now, what we're going to see tonight, we're going to read the verses in chapter 4, verse 1 through 9, and we're going to see then the transition that is made from um, where we are as we're talking now in verses 17 through 21, and we'll see the transition from there to where we are right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to read, if you don't mind, we're going to see, we're going to read 
uh, Rome, I mean, um, Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verses 1 through 9, so let's do that right now. All right. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eurodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. All right, so let, let's, let's deal with these, this area and these scriptures. Now, what I want to do first is I want to look again. I told you that if we read um, through verse 17 through 21, we see what's happening in verse 1 is a, is a transition. So we want to read, because you see verse 1 says, therefore. So we're transitioning from something to this. So we want to see what we're transitioning from. So we're going to have to go back a little bit from last week, but we're not going to spend a bunch of time there because last week we talked about this, but we want to see what we're transitioning from. So if we begin at verse 17 uh, in chapter 3, we see this. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, all right, so we see then Paul, he spends time, first he says, Mark, you know, be followers together of me. Mark people who, are, who can be examples of the Christian life because you have a bunch of people who are really enemies of the cross. And he's saying their end is destruction. This is why we need to be praying for people, y'all, okay? I mean, this is not a joke. I mean, there are people who are living lives that Paul is saying, really, their God is their belly, their desires. They're, they're caught up in all kinds of things they think that they're Christians. He's talking to the church, and they are, some of them are not even saved. And he says that actually they're enemies of the cross. They refuse to deny themselves. They refuse to deny their lust. They just live any way they, like the world does. And ultimately, Paul says these people, he says, I weep for these people. He's praying for them. I weep for them. But that doesn't change their condition. And that's why he says you have to mark. He says, look at me, look at what I do, look at what I'm telling y'all to do, find people that do that and follow them. Now, then what you're going to find 
if we jump over to chapter 4 and look at verse 9, look at how that section ends. Those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So from verse 1, where he goes, therefore, through verse 9, the theme, that we're, whole theme of these verses is the peace and presence of God. That's what he's talking about. He's like, if you want the peace of the real God, and you want the presence of the real God, I'm going to need you to do this stuff. <laughs> this, is, this is not like you can't just go do what you want to do and think you're going to have the peace of God or the presence of God. He's saying that ain't it. The God I'm telling y'all about, if you want him, you're going to have to do what I do, and you're going to have to do it the way I do it. If you don't, you don't, you're not going to have it. And then a lot of people wonder why they don't have peace, why they can't, you know, come out of certain situations, why they always got these problems. And then we read in 1 Corinthians where it says we come in to judge ourselves. We won't, if we don't judge ourselves properly, God will judge us. Therefore, we'll be weak, sick, and many die early. Yet we still keep going to the, some funerals and saying, well, the Lord took them. And if he needed them. That's the way we present it, you know, because we're never going to say, and I'm not going to say it either. I'm not going to get up here and say, now, come on now. Y'all know if the person really, if they even was a Christian, y'all know what was going on. They, they died in a hell of bullets. Um, I'm just not so sure that's the way God uh, would take you down. But we're going to sit here and pretend that it's all good. And, and, and we're not helping ourselves. We're not helping ourselves doing that. You know, when we can sit here and pretend and play games all we want. But God is not playing games. And, and, you know, I was talking to somebody today who was talking about how this young man converted to Muslim, you know, Islam and stuff. And, and he was talking about why he left Christianity is because we have no discipline and we have no prayer life and we have nothing. He said, basically, you know, every, everywhere he go to these churches, the, the churches, they just like people out there. You, you go back out there and that's how they act. He says, but these people. You go in there and uh, the women dress a certain way and they act a certain way and the men act a certain way and they pray and they this. And it don't matter whether they got God really, but it looked like they do and it looks like they have discipline and it looks like they live their life a certain way and it looks like they believe what they say. Whether they do or not is irrespective. That's what it looks like to him at least, right? Well, it don't even look like it with us, he said. You know, you come in, everybody just live like they want, do what they want, God's good, Jesus is all right. But Paul say that ain't the God of the Bible. If not be the God of them churches we got, that we call them Christian churches, but it's not the God of the Bible. Here Paul is saying, look what he said. He said it in verse uh, 18. He said, for many walk of whom I told you now, I'll tell you, even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. These are the people he's talking about whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. And last week when we talked about it, we said they glory in what should be shameful. I mean, there's some stuff, man, we just can't be doing. And we just, we just, like, we, we so excited about it. And I get it that everybody out there, you know, is doing it. You know, I was at Southern the other day. I went into the men's restroom, and now they got condoms on the, on the, on the uh, men, on the thing. A bowl of them now. Really? In the men's bathroom? In a law school setting? What are y'all doing? You're promoting safe sex. I get it, but you know what? You're promoting promiscuity, you're promoting fornication, you promote a whole bunch of stuff that ain't God, and you just can't make it God no matter how you slice it, it ain't God. 
at least that stuff you used to keep in the closet. You used to get that at the men's restroom on the truck stops. Yeah, you, you went in and they had them big machines in the men's bathroom and you, you put in a 75 cent or something like that. But th you didn't get them outside in the, in the main area. You didn't do that. It was shameful. You just kind of hide that, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you got a big bowl like it's chocolate or candy or peppermints or something. And, 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 and I, I, I looked and I, I, I called my wife right then. I said, girl, you ain't going to believe what, I, what they got in the bathroom. And then I sent her a text and just told her, and she just sent the little thing back, you know, where you got the hand on your face. I was just like, I, I, I can't believe what I'm looking at. But this is where we are in the world. And Christians are like, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go on no much with this. But we need to tie in what's happening here. Paul is trying to say the reasons, Christian, if you want peace and you want the God of peace's presence with your life, you're going to have to mark people who walk this way and follow them like you, Paul followed Christ. That's, that's what you got to do. You have to do this. Because if you don't, he says, when it's all over, you're not going to end up with the God of peace. And then he says it twice. And when he gets to the end of verse uh, 9 in chapter 4, he once again reiterates this and says it once again those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. You see? So, so now we see sandwiched in between this theme of the God of peace and him being with you is the pattern that God, Paul has set. Okay? All right. So, so think of it as a, a pair of pants or a dress or something that, you know, back in the day people you know, sew or they make things, they would have a pattern. You would break out these patterns. And then you, you cut out the material and you sew it all together. So, so Paul is saying, here's your pattern for peace. This is your pattern for peace and the peace of God. So don't look for it no other way. You know, you're not going to take no pills to get you there. You're not going to enter the other way. I'm going to get you the peace of God. Uh, uh, that, that's not going to do it. So we have to see it. It's right here in this section. So this whole section the whole theme of it, again, I'm going to say it again, is the peace of God. Look at verse 7. Let's go down to verse 7, uh, 4, verse 7. Let's look at that, chapter 4, verse 7. That's what it says. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the presence of God, let's look at verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them, and the God of peace shall be with you. So we see two things, the God of peace being with us and what? The peace of God receiving it. That's what we see in verse 7, how to get the peace of God and how to have the God of peace. All right, two things that you would think every Christian would want. All right, now, so we've been told to mark those who live the lifestyle. Mark Paul. Use him as a pattern. Do the things Paul did. Mark him as a pattern. And then we get this. So now let's, let's, let's look at what was going on. So now he says, y'all got these crazy people in the church <laughs> that are living like, like they in the world. He says, but I need you to understand in verse 20 in the previous chapter, look at what he says. For our conversation, our conversation meaning our lifestyle, our place of abode is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying Christ is in heaven, 
We're looking for him. That's where our life is, us right now. Everybody sitting in here, everybody online, those who are believers, our life is in heaven. And there's a real place called heaven. Jesus is there right now. And we don't know exactly when he's coming back because God's going to do that on his own time. And it could come out of nowhere, just like tornadoes do, just like things happen all of a sudden and they just upon you all of a sudden. That's what could happen. So we're supposed to be cognizant of this. We're supposed to know this. And so we're living this way, understanding heaven is our ultimate home, although we're here and got to deal with this. He says then, we know that when he shows up, he's going to change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his body, according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. So what's going to happen is the Bible, we see it in Corinthians. Let's just, let me just go over there right quick. In Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about this, and he explains to us how this is going to happen. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll look at verse 50 through 54. Let's look at verse 50 through 54. All right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 through 54. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised in incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this, this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Okay, now, so Paul says, and this is why I keep saying as Christians, See, we got the greatest faith in the world, but we also have the most ridiculous faith if you don't believe it. I mean, that's why it should be easy to walk away. I mean, look what it says. Paul tells us here in Philippians, let's go back there again. Philippians chapter 21, we're waiting on Jesus, according to verse 20, and this is what Jesus is going to do when he shows up. He shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Okay, so here we are. These, we're Christians, and this is what we believe, right, that we're here sitting like right now tonight, and we are talking about Jesus, we're living our life, we think we're doing whatever, and the, God might just very well say, that's it, right? Well, then the Bible says in that moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ are going to rise, the believers that are currently alive are going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, as fast as you can blink. We gone, and we will be changed in the same image of the body that Christ has. Now, think about that. Do that sound crazy or what? I mean, it, that sounds really crazy. Well, that's the point. If, if you don't believe that, then again, that's why it's easy to walk away from Christianity. But if you believe it, that's why Paul's saying, y'all better get yourself together. You need to understand, don't get left behind. <laughs> Please don't let that happen to you. I, they, you know, the way they keep doing these movies, people get left behind and then they get another chance. That, Paul don't say that. The Bible don't say that. You, you, when you, if you're getting left behind, you, you, you headed for the death chamber. 
It's not like you're going to get left behind and you get another chance. You know, that's not what it says. It says the dead Christ will be rise first. We then will be changed and we will ever we will meet the Lord. And it's all going to happen. The Bible says there's going to come a moment where the, everyone will hear the voice of the son of God. And many will come forward to everlasting life and many to everlasting death. So the last thing you want to do is get caught somewhere, right? Or you in some situation or doing something that then boom, and you get left. And I just don't understand. It's like I can get it that we all got problems. We do. We got them. But some people live like it's all right. And these are the people that he's talking about. They're enemies. They really believe it's okay to live this way, to function this way, and some kind of way it's just going to be all right because Jesus is just a nice guy. When really he showed up the first time, the Bible says, as the Lamb of God, but he comes back now as executing the wrath of God. And, and, and we have to deal with this. I mean, we got to understand. That's why the Bible says we should be gentle toward all men trying to bring them to Christ. Now we're going to see this now. So we see this transition. So we now we understand that Paul tells us how it's going to happen. Paul says in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. That's how it's going to happen, because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. So then he says this, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, this is verse one, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. OK, so now let, let's let's talk about this for a minute. So here's Paul. And remember what Paul says, follow me. Paul, you see it, you can hear it in his writing. Paul says in one place, I'm weeping for these people. I'm very concerned for these people. And then he shifts to the therefore because of us now, the people that are standing. He says, look, look, therefore, and, he, and you can hear his heart coming out. He refers to these people first. He says, my brethren, you know, family, my brothers, dearly beloved, look, I love you people, man. I really do. Now, Paul's in jail right now writing this stuff. He says, I really love you people. He says, you are my joy. He says, and longed for. In other words, I'm in prison. I would really like to see y'all, but I can't right now. He says, my joy and crown. So in other words, Paul's like, look, when I get to heaven, the Bible says that we receive a crown for the righteous works we've done. And so Paul is saying, look, you all are a part of my, the joy that I receive that's going to be a part of my crown. When I'm standing there and you all make it, I'm going to be able to part. That's going to be part of my crown, he's saying. That's how strong he feels about these people and wanting them to be there and to, to do the right thing so that they can please the Lord and make it. And then he says this. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He says it again. Now, in this verse, he says, so stand fast. In other words, I know y'all see all that compromise going on. And I know it looks like, just like a couple weeks ago when I preached about the pastors that's talking about weed in the church and all that stupid stuff, and, and, and abortion, and uh, uh, Christian, Christians are a choice, and just stupid stuff, okay? That's just stupid. It's stupid to say that God's okay with abortion. It's stupid to say God's okay with people smoking weed. It's stupid, all that stupid stuff. And the Bible calls it stupid, and it used the word stupid. I ain't just making this up. Now, I use the word stupid. I just ain't got time to go find it right now. We need to understand that. That's stupid stuff. We need to weep and cry for y'all, because if you believe that, you are lost. And we need to understand 
even though they look like they're prospering. Paul says, stand fast in the Lord. You need to stand fast, because I know it looked like it's working for them. But they, when, the, when, the, when that moment come and the eyes get to blinking and twinkling, it's over. And they're going to be left behind. And you don't want to be standing next to them when the angels start gathering up everybody and casting them in the furnace of fire. We don't want to be there. So we should be weeping for these people and praying that God would restore them, that they would see the error of their way and recognize it. We, we need to pray, and we can't keep saying or believing that somehow, oh, well, you know, it's going to work out. I, we got our problems. No, 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 no. What we do is we mark Paul, then we mark people. There are people who are walking this out correctly. Now, they, they ain't perfect. We ain't talking about being perfect. That is not the point. We all know if you think perfection is going to get you there, God going to be slapping you around just as well. That's not the point. The point is that you know that ain't right, this ain't right, ooh, I did that, I repent because that's wrong and that ain't right. I, don't, I never acknowledge wrong as right, I just never make it right, and I continue to say, that's wrong, even if I fell in it, but I get back up, I acknowledge I'm wrong, and I never make wrong right. You see what I'm saying? I don't never do that. I stay with it. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us. We don't do that. We stay with it. We keep staying with it. We stand fast in the Lord. We say, look, Paul said these things were what unbelievers do and people that are not saved. We're not going to do that. We're going to stand. And if we fall, we get back up, brush ourselves off and say, oop, I'm sorry. I repent. That wasn't right, Lord. Forgive me. That's what we're talking about. And we keep moving. Paul said, that's why he said it. In, 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 and I don't keep mean to keep going back, but we got to go back to try to uh, keep these things together. But let's, let's look at this right quick. Um, let me see if I can do it this way. Um, look, at, look at verse 13 in chapter 3. Uh, why don't y'all put that back up for me? Look at verse 13 in chapter 3. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, and he don't mean perfect, that, mean, that word perfect is interpreted mature. Those of us who are mature, be thus minded, and if in any other thing you're otherwise minded, God will reveal that to you too. So he's saying, all he's saying is, look, you got it. You fail. I got it. You messed up. You got to leave that behind and you got to keep pressing. You got to keep pressing. You can't let people change the fact of what Jesus said. Jesus said you got to deny yourself. You got to come and follow me. You got to. And I know you fell down. Got it. Get up, brush yourself off and keep going. Forget yesterday. Press toward the mark. That's what that's what he's saying. That's what we got to do. He's not saying this. So he says, stand fast in the Lord. That's what you got to do. Because you're going to see a bunch of craziness going on. A lot of people doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like, well, ain't nothing happening to them. Well, that's what we think. But I tell you one thing they don't have, and that's the peace of God. They do not have the peace of God or they the presence of the God of peace. Ain't no way they got it. Because Paul said the only way you can have it is unless you do and the things I'm telling y'all right now. You might have some fake peace, <laughs> and that comes, you know how that fake peace work, you know, I mean, it's like you're feeling all right, but something just don't seem quite right, you know, <laughs> and people say, I just don't know, something don't seem quite right. Yeah, that's because God ain't, ain't there. It's not real peace, it's false peace. 
You know, you get false peace. TV brings you false peace. Entertainment for a season gives you false peace because you're sitting there laughing <laughs> and all that stuff. But when, when the TV cut off, now you back with you. <laughs> and you kind of like, hmm. Or you put some music on, enjoy yourself for a minute. You know, and then when the music cut off, it's you in the dark, you know, trying to go back to sleep. And it's kind of like, hmm. Okay, and you just don't quite have it together. That's how they are. That's why the Bible keeps saying, that's why they're all looking for something. I, I don't have, I don't, there's got to be more, they say. More what? All, all there is is more foolishness that go on in life, and at some point, we all going to get there, and you're going to pass away. Even if you don't blink in, uh, in the twinkle eye, you're gone before then. We all, it's just the way it is. That's the way it goes. You know, I look in the mirror and I keep saying, who is that old guy? You know, it's got, <laughs> like I look in there and I just, you see you change and you can see it right before you're at the longer. You, when you're up, when you're younger, it's not so quick. You know, when you're like 20 and 30, you look and you see a few things different. But when you start getting like 60, you be like, hmm, that guy really does look different. Yeah, he looks different. You know, he looks different. But it's okay, because that's the way it is. So I don't lose my peace over it. I don't care. I'm going the way I'm supposed to go. That's what, it's supposed to, that's what they say. Now, look, I don't mean to keep jumping all over the Bible, but it's a good thing to do. That's why we call it Bible study, right? But I want to show you something, now that I'm thinking about that, I, because I just want you to think about something. Um, because if we would really pay attention to what God has already said, then we can be prepared and we've prepped ourselves for it. Um, let me see if I can find this right quick. Because, all right. Do this for me. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and let's look at verse uh, 1. We'll just do 1 through 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and let's look at verse 1 through 4. Look at what it says. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth while the evil days come not, nor the years draw near when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders shall cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Yeah, so he says, look, he says, remember the creator while you're young. You know, because the day going to come where you really going to be like, man, I don't like this. I don't like it. I mean, you know, I don't know why people got this idea that some kind of way they're going to really cherish that 105, if they got there, you know, at 105. 105, no matter how I slice it, it ain't going to be like 20. And he's saying that, you know, you're you going to have it. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, when you going to say, I have no pleasure in them, you know, the days now when you're young, when you still can, when you get up and your arms still work and your eyes are blinking and everything, give God praise for that. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, Lord. Thank you. Ooh-wee, look. Mm, I can move them, you know, because they're going to come a day, you're going you're gonna to be like this. And somebody's going to be like, can I help you get your shirt? No! I can get my own shirt. 
you be saying, right? And then you still trying to get it on, you know, and then you're in the closet, I hate, I, mean, I, tell you, I hate this. So God says, if you give him praise while you're young, you won't hate it so bad. You know, you won't be a grumbler and a complainer because you'll realize this is just the pattern. This is how it works. You know, it's all good, man. God got me. And you'll have peace even in your old age. You know, but you know, you know it's going to be different. Now, let me go back. I ain't trying to get nobody all stirred up by, oh, I'm just trying to get you to be thinking. Now, think about what I'm telling you right now because you're going to need peace throughout your life and you need to understand where you're going. Now, let's go back. Now, this is what he says in verse 2. I beseech Eurodius, or Euodius, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. All right, now, so we're, we're told nothing too much more about these two women. But there are two women in the church that are fairly prominent, and we know this because we'll look at verse 3, it says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So we know they saved because Paul say they name in the book of life. But these two women, Euodius and Syntyche, are having trouble in the church with each other. They're obviously prominent women in the church. They obviously have helped Paul along with Clement and other people who were basically laboring in the church and in the field to do things for Christ. But these two women, for whatever reason, are get, not getting along. And Paul's like, that's one of y'all problems. If you think you're going to have God's peace and the presence of the God of peace, while y'all in there clamoring and arguing and debating with each other, forget it. It ain't happening. He says, it's not happening. God ain't in that. He's just not. And you can see throughout the scriptures in other places where it talks about this. Um, and you have to forgive me, I didn't give them these scriptures because they, I, I kind of just, they come to me as I'm doing some of this sometime. So I, I want to I wanna point out, um, James said this, right? Um, let me see if we can get over here right quick to this. Um, James, where is it? Let me see. Here we go. Um, do this for me, if you would. Go to James. Go to James chapter 3, and let's look at verse 13 through 18. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Now, look at what it says. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation or lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. All right, there we go. Now, remember what the Bible said? The peacemakers, Jesus said, the peacemakers would be called the children of God. You know, we have to understand the Bible is consistent and everything is consistent with the Holy Spirit. We see that he's saying these two women need to chill out. 
And then what he does is, he, there, now back in the day when in the early church, when Christians would get baptized, they would do a lot like the Muslims do uh, in the nation of Islam, where they change their slave name, they say, uh, their last name to X, because they don't know their real name, right? So I'm Muhammad X, or I'm this X, or you had Malcolm X, you know, and all that. Well, many of them would take on new names. And one of the names that would be taken on was Yokefellow. And Yokefellow was a name of a person, a man, who could be trusted, who had, you, had, you could have confidence in, and who basically, because a yoke was tied to an ox and would drive the flock uh, or the oxen a certain way. So Yokefellow was always assigned to somebody or would be given to somebody who had that, those traits and that understanding. So obviously there's somebody in this church who Paul is referring to. And he says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women. <laughs> he like, you need to help these women. Uh, you know, because, I, and this is, we're looking at uh, Philippians 4, we're looking at verse uh, 3. And he says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and others my fellow laborers whose name are in the book of life. So let's say, for instance, I'm not, well, you know, I always try to use examples, but we'll, we'll stay with day church. You can I'll put our church in there. Find two women, whoever they might be, they going back and forth with each other. They saved, obviously. Paul said it in the book of life. It's cool, but it's creating problems. You ain't going to have peace, and we're not going to have the God of peace at presence with that foolishness that y'all got going on. Y'all need to resolve that. He says, then he calls on some guy. That'd be like saying, hey, Brother Chris, if you see it in here, Brother Chris, you need to help them women to get it together and stop all that. He says, they worked with me, Clement, et cetera. I need you to get in there and resolve this problem because you can't just let stuff go. You know, that's the idea, you know, because the church is the household of God. This is where God, not because he don't live in here. He lives with us, but when we come together, we are the household of God. We're the temple. Well, if you got division going on in there, God is not up in that. And he ain't on nobody's side. That's why when you go to James, he says, mm-mm. Bottom line is where there's bitter envying and strife, ain't nothing but confusion and every evil work. You know, you, you right, you right. No, ain't none of y'all right. Shut up, back down and go back to work for Jesus. That's his, that's his point. Ain't nobody, God ain't trying to make nobody's point except his own, right? And I need y'all to get unified. Now, what's interesting is you always hear people say, you shouldn't say people names. Paul called them people out. Them two women names in the Bible for, for eternity. When you get to heaven, you can go look for Euodius. You, Euodius. I read about you in Philippians. Boy, boy, you and Syntyche must have had something going for Paul to write about y'all. You know what I'm saying? You, you are eternally enshrined in the word of God for your drama that you had going on in the church. That's what you're going to be known for when we get to heaven. Where is Syntyche? I want to meet her. How, at least you got your name in the book, right, I could say. Demas, we ain't going to meet Demas forsook Paul, right? But Demas, you know, so ain't name in there too. But Clement is there. Then he says, help him out. Verse 4. So now we're seeing now what's going on, right? We see if we want the God of peace, we're going to have to what? We can't be in drama with nobody. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So in other words, you got to learn how to be 
joyful in God. You, you can't be walking around every day, you're murmuring, you're complaining, and I ain't got what I want. Oh, I wish I had this. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So Paul is making it clear. You got to get yourself together. You can't be all beat up and beat down and grumbling and complaining. We got to learn how to be joyful and to rejoice. Then in verse 5, he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, the word moderation doesn't mean like you, you drank a little bit. Yeah, we're not, that's not what we're talking about. You know, I, I, I drank moderately. You know, I let your moderation be known to all men. I eat just a little bit on my plate. That's not what we're talking about. The word moderation here is talking more about your, the condition of your spirit, that you are long-suffering, that you're gentle, um, that you basically, this is, this is what the Amplified Bible says. It says this, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. So the idea is I am being I'm moderate in the sense that although I have a reason to even get mad, I'm not supposed to do this. I, I got to learn how to allow myself what? To forbear with a lot of things. Apparently, this wasn't what Eurodius and Syntyche were doing. Whatever was going on, they had let it get the best of them, and they were going at it instead of just putting up with each other, you know, and just kind of, okay, you know what? I don't really like what you're doing, but I'm good. I, I, look, let's serve Jesus, and let me not let this spill over into foolishness. And so it, it, the idea, though, is this thing of unselfishness, being considered forbearing, it's kind of like the idea of what Paul is talking about. It's like Jesus in knowing, it's because Jesus is the ultimate example. Now, we all know we ain't never going to get there because Paul said we press toward that mark. That's the mark. But we, we see Paul, the closest man now in the book, following Christ. And that's why he can say, follow me like I'm following Christ. Forget what's behind. But, but, but Jesus is the prime example of what we're kind of talking about. So in other words, it's like, like where the woman was taken in adultery. She got caught in the very act, right? Well, she should have been stoned, okay? So there's this balance between justice. That's why all the people marching around talking about we want justice. No, you, you, no, you don't. You don't really want justice. You know, when God get, met our justice, everybody going to hell. So we don't want that. We need mercy. And so the question becomes, how do you balance mercy with justice, and typically what ends up happening is that most of the time the people who end up getting the justice are the ones who are always meeting out just justice. They don't really have a moderation to understand there is a time for that because you see it in the Old Testament. You see there's a day where a guy gets caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. That's all the Bible says. He was gathering sticks. He was out gathering sticks, and on the Sabbath day, Moses got him, put him away, went to the Lord. The Lord said, stone him. What? <laughs> what? Stone him? Stone him dead, and they sure did. Stone the man. He's just out picking up sticks. Okay, but there got to be more to it than that. Either he said something out loud or in his heart like, 
That's stupid. Who said, you know, all I need to do is go get some sticks. This is stupid. I ain't worried about this. I, wait, man, don't go out there. It's the Sabbath day. Moses say, God say, don't do that. That's stupid. And he went on out there, okay, and ended up dead. I cannot believe, because why? Jesus showed it to us. Jesus was walking with his disciples on the Sabbath, and they were picking uh, corn and eating it. And they said, why do your disciples do this on the Sabbath day? And Jesus said, haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? How he went into the temple and ate the showbread, which was only lawful for the priest to eat? He said, don't judge by what you see. Judge righteous judgment. See, David was hungry, about to die out there, basically. And he asked the priest, do you have anything? And all the priest said, all I got is his holy bread. And he gave David the holy bread. God ain't kill him even though you weren't supposed to eat that. If you ate it, the Bible said you was going to die. Well, that's because if you just think you can go up and grab God's holy bread, then yeah, you was going to probably die for sure. But that's not what happened. David was on the run from Saul. He had nothing to eat, and he asked the priest for something. The priest said, I don't have nothing but this holy bread. Here, and gave it to him. And he sure ate it, and nothing happened to it. Well, hit his dude out picking up sticks, just sticks. And he got stoned. So there's obviously something God is doing. That's what he wants us to be able to do. We have the spirit of God. We ought to be able to pray, look at situations, deal with them in such a way that we know when to say, okay, you out the door, <laughs> to the back, get in the corner. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you, not so much. But people might look at it and say, well, that ain't right because they did the same thing that one did. No, they didn't. No, it didn't. It might look like it, but it wasn't. And it's the same thing with that woman caught in adultery in the very act. She got caught, and Jesus, instead of saying, well, yeah, why y'all asking me? Because that's what he could have said. Why are you asking me that? Y'all know what the law say. Do the law. Now, had he said that, they would have went stoned her, but he didn't say that. Something went on with that situation that made Jesus say, hmm, uh-uh, who knows? They used to say that part of what would happen back in Israel at the time is that sometimes men would set their wives up because the only way they could get a divorce was she had to be dead. So what they would do, set them up, catch them in adultery, and then get them stoned. Well, where was the man at? See, because the man should have been there, too. If it were caught in the very act, why did you not drag the man here? Because he also supposed to be stoned. Everybody was supposed to get killed now. That's what the scriptures say. Where was the man? Well, who knows? Maybe he was the man that they paid to set him up, and the next thing you know, she got caught. They drag her. He gone, and she's, they think they're going to use her against Jesus. And Jesus like, no, 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 no. Whatever he knew was going on, he drew in the sand, and then he made that famous statement, him without sin, first cast a stone. And they all walked away. Well, this is what Paul is trying to, this is the real understanding you ought to pull out of this verse. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. God is very concerned at the way we deal with people. Because there are a lot of people, man, that's doing a lot of crazy bad stuff. But we have to be able to balance and manage it. You know, in other words, we have to be able to be, I don't want to use the word harsh. We need to be able to know when to move and when not to move. 
here's, here's the example I could, I could use right now with this. If you remember in the Corinthian church, Paul was talking. This is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 6. No, 1 through 7. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Paul says it is reported commonly. Now, let me stop. Right there. <laughs> you see what he said? It is reported commonly. That means they talking about this. This ain't like it's something that's hidden. They are reporting it commonly. It is reported, Paul said. See, we got to stop just reading the Bible and reading past it. It is reported commonly. It is reported commonly. Now, let us go on. That there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Stop. So he said, y'all got a man in the church that's sleeping with his daddy's wife, which basically is probably his stepmother. So he's sleeping with his stepmother. Y'all know it because it's commonly reported. And even the Gentiles, now this is a Gentile church, but his point was that y'all supposed to be believers now. He's talking about even the unbelieving people don't do this stuff. We don't even hear them named among them. But y'all know about it. In your church, it's commonly reported. And look at verse 2. And this is the Roderick White version. And you are puffed up having church and enjoying yourself and not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that have done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto the coffee bar. They don't say that. To deliver such an one unto the Christmas fellowship. He say to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sanctified or sacrificed for us. Wow. 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 This is the same Paul that's over here talking about, dearly beloved, my fellow. He said, let your moderation be known to all men. He's talking about long-suffering and gentleness and all this toward people. And now he over here saying, y'all should be ashamed of yourself. Y'all should deal with this because it's commonly reported. We know about it. And people are not even doing this in the world. And y'all over there having church like it's all good. He said, I'm telling you what you need to do. Deliver him to Satan so that Satan might kill him. That's what he said, destroy his flesh, destroy him that he might be saved. Now, later on in 2 Corinthians, we find out they put him out, and whatever the devil was doing, he repented. 
and the, and the Corinthians wouldn't even take him back. And Paul wrote a letter the second time to say, okay, y'all, look, y'all have proven yourself clear in this matter. Go on, forget a man now. You see, so, I mean, you know, they had made up their mind. Oh, no, Paul said, uh-uh, give it to you. So we're going to give it to you, and we put it out there, and the devil must have been whipping him up because at some point he repented. And Paul said, I am comfortable. You know, y'all have cleared yourselves and cleared it, so please forgive the man. Let him come on back so that he won't be swallowed up in his sorrow. That's what Paul said. So obviously the man had repented and Paul was like taken back. You know, but the idea is that you can't just let this happen and y'all keep on just having church and it's all good. Paul like, no, this is commonly reported. We, this, we don't live like this. Mm-mm, no, no, sir, we don't do that. Because God going to break out on all us if we ain't careful. That's what happened in the old days with the Israelites. The, the, the Spirit of God would break out in the whole camp. And then everybody trying to figure out why we all got trouble. And it got something to do with what we are letting go on in our midst that we looking at, knowing right, seeing it, and endorsing it as if it's okay. And we can't live that way. We will not live that way, at least not up here. We ain't doing it. Nope, we will not do that. Okay, let's look. Let's go a little further. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. That word means anxious. Don't be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, remember what we're talking about. We said the whole theme from 1 through 9 is what? How do we get the peace of God? And how do we get the presence of God, the God of peace? How do we keep this and have this with us? We see what? One, no arguing and division. And if we have it, we got to get in it and settle it. You know, if we know we got that going on, let's say in this church, if we know we got to find a yoke flower and, and get up in there and settle that and resolve it. Don't even none of that. We can't have that. We got to resolve it, right? That's one of the things. Second, we have to rejoice, be joyful in the Lord. Whatever going on, whatever our situation, whatever's coming our way, we need to be rejoicing and joyful toward God. The next thing is that we need to have moderation. We need to deal with situations in the church and with the world, but deal with it in a way like Jesus would, and as Paul's showing us. We have to be gentle towards sinners. We have to be clear that what God does, look, we, we just as bad as they were. We all been fornicators or adulterers, the Bible says. All of us have been doing something, but now are ye washed. Now are ye clean. Now are ye in the Lord. Not, not now are ye perfect. Now are ye in the Lord. So you can receive forgiveness when you fall. You understand it's not right. You know, you used to do that thinking what? It was all good, but that's not who we are anymore, right? So now, He says, if we do these things, then we move into this next thing. Don't be anxious for anything. Whatever's going on, just stop it. Stop being anxious. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Just stop it. Shut it down. Let your request be made known to God. Whatever it is, just ask God about it. And then he says, he tells us how. He says, in everything, everything. It's just like when the roof was leaking at times. It still is in some places. I, when I be up here sometimes, I be praying, Lord, please, can you help us to figure out what this problem is, you know, so that we can get this resolved? The Bible says in everything, let your, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
God, I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to show me what I got to find. I don't know how it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, like I fixed one and then it came back. I came in one day. I said, I ain't let no water stop me. I'm pressing on because I know Jesus is going to show me an answer. Just keep pushing, keep pressing, keep believing. And when it's over, you'll find the answer to a thing. It might be that you got to do something different, whatever. But you have to let God know. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. You got to do that because your anxiousness will never lead you to this peace God is talking about. And then he says, let your request be made known to God. And then he says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. So how do you know when you've done it? Because then that peace comes in. All of a sudden you find it's like, you know, you just don't sit. It's like, it's like with, the, with the church when I talk about money and stuff. I never, ever ever concern myself with the finances of the church. I just don't. I mean, it's like, look, God is going to come from somewhere, somehow. I don't know how you do that, but when it's all over, he takes care of everything that's good. You know, I don't, I'm not anxious about it. Y'all don't never hear me up in here talking about his offering time, you know, and we got to do them. I ain't do that. You ain't going to hear me. You don't never hear me doing that because I have peace about that. I mean, God is his stuff. You would think he could take care of his own stuff. If he can't, well, what, you know, what I'm going to do? And they beg and they browbeat everybody to try to get him to take care of God's stuff. Something wrong with that. So you have to be, have peace about it. Then he says this. Then he gives us a kind of a key, which a lot of people don't do this, and I think this is part of what's happening with him. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there are any virtue, any praise, think on these things. So now he gives us a list of the stuff to think about. You know, one of the practices I've started recently, probably within the last uh, month or so, now I now go to bed with the Bible on. In other words, I have a continuous playing Bible. So I can put it on in, in say, maybe the book of Mark and start there, or the book of Acts. And so it'll be reading to me the book of Acts, and then when Acts is finished, it'll go on to Romans, whatever it's going, and just keep going. And I go literally go to sleep with it playing. It doesn't, it doesn't keep me up or anything. I mean, before I know it, I'm asleep. What it has done, though, is it's changed my dream life, interestingly. You know, where all of a sudden, people that I used to be talking to, I'm talking to them, and they'll be saying whatever the, the Bible is saying. Because what will happen is I'll be standing there talking to them, and it's like I'm in a restaurant or something, and they're saying, uh, let the peace of God keep you and everything. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And then I wake up, and it's, that's where the tape is at that moment. It, 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 that's literally the verse that's being played in my head. So now it done moved into my dream life so that what? Constantly I'm thinking about the word of God, constantly keeping it in my mind. Because he says... This is what will bring the peace of God and the presence of the God of peace into your life. If you spend enough time in this word, I'm, look, I told somebody this today, and I'm going to get ready to close because we're about to get into verse 9. He says, those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do in the God of peace to be with you. What I have seen is this. I told them this today. I said, I want you to really think about something. Yesterday I was here at the church. I sent Sister Lori a picture. And there weren't as near as many birds as there were when I, uh, before I took the picture. There was literally, there was no place I could almost see green outside in the yard. There were that many birds on the ground feeding. I've never seen anything like this in my life. All outside the church, all behind the house, 
nothing but birds. It looked black. They were just everywhere. I was like, what is going on out there? And right then, I started thinking about the scripture about sparrows and how God, even the sparrows God knows about. And so look at verse uh, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 through 31 as we close here. And I'm going to leave you all with this, and then we'll pick up here next week uh, with this. Matthew chapter 10, and let's look at verse 28 through 31. And I told somebody this today. I said, man, if you believe this, there's no way you should not ever have the peace of God always in your life. Um, look at what Jesus said. <clears throat> and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Think about that. See, I'm trying to tell people, man, think about this. Jesus Christ is either crazy or we need to get it together. Because he's trying to get me to believe that a bird does not all out the sky that God don't know about. A bird. As many birds as on the planet, God don't know about one of them that don't fall. Every hair on your head. And people say, well, I ain't got it all no more. You have the follicles, though. The science has proven you have follicles. What's happening is your hair stops growing because your follicles get clogged with whatever they call this stuff. And that's what causes baldness. But you still have the follicle there. So there was a hair there, and it is up underneath that skin. You just can't get it out of there. He knows every single hole in your head, your head, your head, my head, and everybody's head in here, and everybody's head in the world. Come on, y'all. Well, what do we got to worry about? If this, if this is true, if it's true that God knows every single hair on our heads, why are we worrying about anything? That's why Jesus said, man, y'all y'all better get it together. Don't be worried about people who could kill your body. You better worry about the, the God I'm telling y'all about. He going to kill your body and your soul and throw you in hell. That's who you need to be scared of. And that's why I keep saying we could just dismiss Jesus. Go be a Muslim. Go be Confucius. Go be whatever you want to be because Jesus is crazy. He wants us to believe that God knows everything. But if it's true, then that's why I'm saying I, I just made up my mind. I told this guy, I said, man, you got to go back and ask yourself, do you believe this? If you believe this, Jesus ain't just a good guy. He's telling you about God. You can trust this God. Have peace that he knows what you need, when you need it, at the exact time you need it, and he's going to take care of it. And more than likely, if you don't have what you think you need, it's because you don't need it, and he's trying to let you see you're too anxious about things. You're too whatever. God knows what's going on. He don't need your help. He just needs you to pray and learn how to submit to him. That's all he needs. And the peace of God will come on you and his presence. Look, let's go ahead and close here tonight, and then we're going to pick up here next week. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the peace of God.